So it is. Thanks so much, Ty and the guys, for an opportunity to share. It is certainly very humbling, and um, but exciting. And I just have such a sense of, uh, you know, God. Even even with what Ty just ex- explained as far as our church plant, um, you know, from the outside looking in, one could maybe watch the process that we've been going through and think that we've got all this apostolic strategy you know, going down, and we've got all these plans, and we're making this happen, and church planting, rah-rah, and, and actually, the reality of it, even our going to South Africa has been so much more of a sense of just being with Jesus, and, um, and just kind of being willing, you know, and, and kind of having an idea of, of what the purpose of God is, and his heart for reaching nations and discipling the nations through the vehicle of church planting and just being postured to go and to be willing and stepping out in faith as God leads. And it's on the back end of steps of obedience that this amazing story just kind of unfolds and you honestly feel like your almost outer body, you know, you hear my heart, I'm not getting weird, but it's almost like you're, you're watching a story unfold that somebody else has crafted. And perhaps I shouldn't say it's almost. I mean, that's literally what's happening. And um, so I would, if you could just uh, give me a minute just to kind of share some of the story. And I want to explicit, especially share it with you for no other purpose than I believe. And uh, my friend Russ Doty this morning shared that he feels as though there's an, a, a, like an underground kind of something God's just doing in our ranks of a increase of the apostolic. And what I mean by that is the going, sent nature of the church to disciple nations through planting of churches. And uh, we're, we're and you know, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, we're not about church planting. I mean, I know God's given us that as, as a team and kind of as a tribe, whatever you want to say. <laughs> I don't have a cool... Non, anyways, he's given that to us, uh, but we're about Jesus. You know, that's, that's really, and, and so I'm, it's not this mystical thing of God is this undercurrent of this thing the Spirit is doing. I mean, there's maybe an element of the Spirit's doing something this morning. I, I want to say that before we even stepped foot into this building this week, God has been preparing your hearts uh, for, for more. And I just want to share also a, a prophetic message during the World Equip last year in uh, 2015. There's a respected prophetic voice on the NCMI team, Chanel Rousseau, who's in South Africa, shared with Ty, and she asked me to stand next to her as she shared it with them, kind of from an accountability standpoint. Clearly, it was ended up being that I would hear this prophetic word uh, as well. And what she began to share is that she feels in God, if I remember the details correctly, that in North America, God is about to move through what we are a part of, and a double, if not tripling, of the amount of churches that we see. Now, we're not about numbers, but there is something, there is something about harvest, and really the key is this one thing that I've already mentioned. It's the heart. God is about our heart, and I believe that In this moment, God is arresting and calling us and opening up, lifting off ceilings and causing us to see something by faith when we're in an atmosphere that's maybe removed from the ordinary circuits of our life 
and beginning to see something out of the word of God and even the testimony of what's happening where God's going to begin to impregnate you with an overwhelming desire to be a part of something of church planting. And there's a, a response. And I know we've already done some of that. I keep on looking at the youth over here because I feel strongly that it has a lot to do with you in a particular way. And um, so anyways, I, I need to preach. <laughs> and I haven't even started the story. So just, just quickly, we, 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 there was a profound God sent us to South Africa, and I, it, it was an amazing thing for me. My wife lived for several years in South Africa as a child, growing up in a family in ministry. I did not, and um, I, I had once heard of Nelson Mandela, and other than that, I had no connection or desire for the nation of South Africa. And God, God called us there in such an amazing way. Um, and uh, and it was just after seven years of being faithful in a local church and just kind of cutting our teeth in ministry, and God profoundly had this moment of hearing his word and sent us. And so we've loved connecting with the NCMI team in that context, and we kind of see more of the wisdom of God in sending us to South Africa, which is kind of uh, very much a critical mass of in Johannesburg. A lot of people really have the DNA of what we're about as NCMI, and so we feel like we've received so much, had the privilege of leading Santon City Church uh, in Johannesburg over the past five years. It will have been five years, and, um, and it was the last time I stood before North Americans, uh, November 2014, the day before I had come to Chicago, and I had, which is an amazing city, with incredible spiritual leaders. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Just warming up this front row here, getting their support. And, uh, and there was a kind of a pastor's day that we had before the equip began, and I received a prophetic word from a respected prophetic voice on the team that day saying, uh, you've come here for your reasons, but God's saying that he has his. And you are going to be shown over the next seven days more clearly what he's leading into, and you're going to transition, and God's going to use you to transition things, and you're going to prepare for a transition. i have only been leading the church that we're leading now for three years, and believe me, we were not uh, in a state in the natural at all uh, to, to transition. I mean, it, wasn't, it didn't make any sense. The church was not in a place of robustness, to, to be able to, <laughs> it's a word, I, I'm sure. And uh, God spoke that to us and um, very much just kind of believed in spite of the natural things and allowed God to begin to, uh, to um, just show us a little bit more that we realized that we were, and my wife, meanwhile, back in the, uh, South Africa, was uh, praying, and as she did, the Lord spoke to her, not knowing anything of the word that I had received, and she knew uh, from the beginning of this kind of moment with God to the end, she knew that God was saying North America has gone from this thing out there uh, that maybe one day we would be and brought it up to it's going to happen soon. And so then I email her this prophetic word I received, and she says, well, here's what the Lord told me, and we knew God was releasing us back to North America, as surreal as this is. <laughs> And, um, sorry, <laughs> Deborah, Deborah Doodle over there always mocks me for standing like this, and she calls me Captain America, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I'm Captain South Africa, thank you. <laughs> I think I just lost half the crowd. Anyways, so, so anyways, um, 
we, I began to feel something about the city of Detroit. We have history in there through, especially my wife's family, who led a church in the 1980s. And, and uh, while I was there in Chicago receiving this prophetic word, my brother-in-law was moving and felt in God to move from L.A. to the city of Detroit. And uh, most people who leave to move into the city of Detroit hopefully are feeling in God to do that. Otherwise, you don't, you don't do that. And, uh, <laughs> and so... Uh, so in our journey, as I begin in the recesses of my heart, beginning to feel that God's saying something about Detroit, we're Skyping with my brother-in-law, Michael, and just asking him about church. Are you connected in anywhere? He says, no, I've tried. I've been everywhere. We, we want to be in church, but really we feel like uh, we want to, there needs to be a church plant in the downtown area of, um, of Detroit, and there's an amazing right revitalization happening at the moment, a literal rebuilding of the ruins. And there needs to be a church down there, he says, and we want to be a part of a church plant. So, and he doesn't know anything of our story. And, you know, being on the NCMI team, you say church plant, and uh, it's like ding, ding, ding. You know, those are, uh, don't say those words around us. And so, and shortly after that, Rodney and Nita Lloyd, my, my, uh, my father and, and mother-in-law, um, had felt that when they're in America, which they are about half the year, that they need to stop basing in Tennessee, and they felt God had prophetically confirmed to them several times during this particular trip that they need to base in the city of Detroit. And so we just felt this is very interesting, and as an eldership team, they, you know, we agreed. We just need to go put our feet on the ground and see what happens. We did that. I met with um, um, Steve and, and Debs from Church in the City. They very much just kind of threw their weight into wanting to be a part of this journey with us. We so appreciate the team reality of this, and uh, so it's wonderful. And um, and they said some things, um, Deborah especially. Um, uh, Steve's was okay, but mainly Deborah, <laughs> and uh, and said just said some things that uh, that had me in in my heart and the in the privacy kind of of my heart just while we were eating breakfast together. Um, that I knew I had no idea how in the world this thing was going to happen as far as the church plant, but God's doing it, and on that basis, I'm saying yes. So can, you hear, can we hear that? We know God's doing it. We don't get it, but we know he's in it, and on that basis, we say yes. From that conversation, I went to go have coffee with a pastor of a very large church in the suburbs who has a strong connection to my in-laws and amazing people, and uh, we have a coffee that turns into a lunch, and I used it just, I gapped it to just share my heart, my vision, what we feel God's speaking, and that we're feeling something about the city of Detroit, and unbeknownst to us, they, for several years, have felt in God that they're supposed to plant a church from the suburbs into the city. They've hit their head against the wall over and over. They don't have kind of a model or a vehicle or knowledge or part of their network. They don't even know how to church plant. They don't have the right guy but they know God has spoken, and they now, after several conversations, it's amazing, they, they tell us that that conversation was incredibly significant to them because they knew in God that we were the ones that are supposed to plant this church. So they've, they're, they're, wanting, they're about 2,500 strong in the suburbs, and uh, they are wanting to send as many people from their church into the plant uh, and have given us carte blanche access to their entire leadership team to invite as many and encourage as many, literally. So we are, have been on a journey to identify who would su- succeed our church in, in, in Johannesburg. And God has amazingly 
lettuce. I won't go into the details of that. Anton and Ange Cater, you may know them on the NCMI team, are going to be uh, transitioning in October. And um, um, there was another point that I was getting to that I can't remember. And that's always embarrassing when you're in front of a crowd of people. <laughs> but but, but uh, praise God, he, he provided a, a successor. <laughs> It is, it is quite exciting. And, uh, <laughs> this is just, this is actually just the pose that, that covers up the insecurity. That's, it looks like I'm projecting confidence. It's just, it's just, uh, anyways. So, long story short, we, we've just now met with, um, with this pastor again, and, uh, they're, they're, very much in this, in this they're wanting to plant, and they're wanting, they say they feel like they've built this church over 32 years. It's a big church, but they feel like they've built it up, and they're realizing that they're in a huge shift and transition and just being vulnerable with us that God says you need to build out, and they're looking now to us, uh, us, um, I mean, starting with us and the Lloyds, but I think that this would certainly materialize into an increased relationship with the team. Uh, to become part of this, what God's doing in church planting. So I want to say this to you pastors. A couple things. Uh, actually, one thing is, guys, uh, we are not building an empire. You and I. And in the recesses of our heart, some of us, if we're really honest, we want to see our church have its name reproduced, and we can say that we've planted these churches and I'm just asking, can we just let our ego and kind of put that on the altar and say, say uh, we we're better together. And, uh, and I, 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 I hold so lightly and open-handedly this church plant. It is God's thing. It is not my, we, we have the humble privilege of leading it, uh, just like we have in Johannesburg, that, that particular church. But it's God's, and uh, this is our inheritance. And the reality of that is if we respond to Jesus in faith, then it really is we partake of that inheritance. If we just kind of watch the team guys and let them plant churches or whatever, somebody else does it, we don't, we don't eat the fruit. I want to encourage every individual in this room, this is what Jesus is building, discipling the nations, exalting Jesus that his kingdom and the administration of his kingdom is present and expanding in the earth through the vehicle of the church. And healthy things reproduce healthy things. That's been the way it's been since creation. Bearing fruit after its own kind. So on that basis, I just want to share some thoughts around knowing Jesus and making him known. Because if our churches aren't doing that, I think we're just spinning wheels. We're just kind of doing the religious thing. And I love kind of the heart of how Ron was sharing this morning. I'm so totally disinterested in religion. I hope, I think all of us are. But religion is a whole lot easier to the flesh. Do you know that? I mean, in one sense, it's impossible, but it's, but, uh, it's a heart thing, my friends. So can I just pray? I know, I know we're, I'm supposed to close in 15 minutes, but, uh, but uh, let's just invite the Holy Spirit. I, I'm not interested in going through the, the, the plan that I have. Jesus is here. Those aren't religious cliche words. Because two or more gathered in his name, he's here. And let's just invite him to leverage the next couple minutes to looking at his word. Something that would actually materialize into nations 
and cities being reached. So, Father, we, you hear that, heart, that cry of our heart, and, and we're just, that cry of, of our heart originated in the cry of your heart in sending Jesus. Lord, we just want to thank you that you initiated this thing. You left heaven uh, when we didn't deserve a thing, and you didn't deserve the punishment that you bore, but you voluntarily left heaven to bear the punishment on our behalf and on the behalf of every person in this world. Lord, we want to thank you for that. We want to acknowledge that. We want to declare again, we are here for that reason alone. Had you not done that, we have nothing. We thank you for the all-sufficiency of the, of the sacrifice that you have made. And Lord, we also want to recognize that you have, ex- you have been resurrected and exalted into the highest place. And you, Jesus, are here in our midst. Use this, um, as we look at your word, we just pray that you would speak to your church. In Jesus' name. I want to talk about, amen. I want to talk about uh, knowing Jesus and making him known. Just a few thoughts. The call of the church is to make him and know, know him and to make him known. You cannot make him known, by the way. Can I challenge Steve? Yeah, I'm going to challenge Steve. What? This is so, this is so uh, uh, I mean, Steve, shame. He's, he's like the nicest guy. I want to I challenge something. Uh, and I, I think you know my heart. I think, I think there's something that actually eclipses church planting as the most important thing. Why am I picking on you? It's so, I mean, like, I so honor this man. But, uh, I, I, but I, I, do, I, th- I think that knowing him eclipses church planting. If, we, if we're church planting without knowing him, <laughs> shame. <laughs> I have lunch with him, so shame is a South African term. So it means like, oh, uh, that's wrong, Paul. Why are you doing that? It eclipses church planting. And uh, so our ultimate goal of ministry as you and I, I think there are a lot of leaders in the room. And it doesn't even matter if you're a leader leading something. You're called to make him known and to know him. And uh, the goal of what we do in the church has to be, the, the end result has to be disciples of him, not us, disciples of him, who are becoming the message, incarnating the message. If you don't believe me, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're just going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and then I'll read a scripture out of Acts chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, you yourselves are our letter. You hear that apostolic heart. It's not just about messages. It must translate into the saints becoming the message to the world. You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. I want to encourage everyone in this room. I, feel, I think this team feels that way about every person in this room. You are our letter. We're just playing religious games unless this materializes into you becoming a letter, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, <clears throat> not on the tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. So we've got a, uh, a friend of ours who has come into the life of the church. I think Ty referenced last night that uh, on social media you're always seeing the best of things. I'm going to share some testimony, just some quick stories as we go through this of uh, the best. So if, you, if you're thinking like what we have in our church in Santon from these stories don't, is like the perfect church, please don't think that. It's not, but uh, we've got this one particular friend who's recently joined into the life of the church and uh, was not a Christian, but just a, a, a neighbor of, of a 
significant leader in the life of the church, and they felt a kind of a growing connection. And, um, and you know what it was around? It was just golf, you know. There was no, like, Jesus or prophesying or this person. It was just they played golf, and, and the kids kind of connected and got together. And, and uh, so we began as an eldership team just praying over this couple and trusting God regularly. And, and before long, uh, they started to come into events that we had that were specifically to bring people that we, into, a, into a social context with people in our, in, in our church. Not a bait-and-switch thing, if you know what I'm saying. And, uh, and as, as this, especially the, the wife, the husband hasn't really joined the, the party yet, but especially as the wife came and she began to comment about how she sees people in the church and, and it seems like their kids are so well-behaved and uh, the marriages are strong, and, and she began to comment on seeing something. Seeing something, I want to say, of the, of the message, of the reality of the kingdom seen through actual human lives. And so she says, I want more of that. And, and there's this whole thing of, you know, and my kids need to be, you know, religiously trained, so we're going to go to church, you know, to make sure the kids get the, the religious instruction. And now this lady, and there's never any response to an altar call or anything like that, but now she is, uh, I was going to, hoing. Now she is, uh, that's a South African expression, now she is like dripping with, with, with revelation of the gospel and what, what God has done. And, and so, yeah, it's wonderful. I've also got uh, our neighbor, our, our neighbor where my wife and I live, Edgar, um, when he was a Hitler youth. If you don't know, like Adolf Hitler, 1930s Germany, Nazi Germany, and uh, rough background, totally a-religious. And we moved in onto this property, we're, we're neighbors, and, and, and formed a relationship, and, and his wife, Deline, uh, was diagnosed with cancer, and I did pray for her. She did not see healing, but, uh, but she did begin to attend our church and just become interested in this and this thing of what we were sharing about Jesus. And she would keep on asking more and more questions. And then uh, eventually, before she passed away, she wanted me to come and, and, and pray for her. And she, she, she completely received Jesus. Totally non-religious. You know, I mean, like, not a church person, but when she received the Lord, I'll never forget it. Uh, I said amen. I led her through kind of a sinner's prayer. Um, uh, but you could just feel the presence of the Lord in her faith. And she just, her, and so I, I said amen and opened my eyes. And I looked at her, she, her eyes still closed, and just saying, amen, amen, amen. And, and you could just sense worship being birthed into her heart, knowing that she's forgiven. You know, being told all her life through a, a very wrong presentation of the gospel uh, that she had to work for her salvation and, 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 and receiving something of, of the reality. And now Edgar, this Hitler youth, totally a-religious, the most racist man I've ever met on the planet, is now coming to our church and inviting other friends to like join him for breakfast and then go to church. So it's very cool. The reality, so what I'm wanting to encourage us is, is this reality. We are called to take this thing and to become the message. How does that happen? How do we become the message? I want to suggest, if you drop down to that same passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, one of my favorite texts in all of Scripture is this, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, even uh, uh, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So did you catch that? We're called 
the result of our ministry must be that they become the message, that we become the message. How does that happen? By people beholding the Lord and through that means being transformed into the same image of the Lord. Does that make sense? So I was once delivered from kind of, or over a process of, process of time, I'm back in America, from, from a, a gripping kind of lust, sexual lust thing in my life uh, when I first became a Christian. You know what delivered me really from that? I'm not saying it happened like in an instant, but what actually brought something of a breakthrough to where that, I'm not talking about becoming asexual, right, guys? I'm talking about not being controlled by this constant thoughts of sexual lust. It was, I saw a, in my time with God, I saw in my relationship with the Lord, his heart for women, and I was able to apply his heart, Father God, daughters, apply that in the way that I now see women, and that's what began to break it off. The whole idea is we become like him by seeing him. It's actually so simple. So the, the begs the question, well, how do we see him? Are you interested in knowing? Okay, good. If you go up a couple verses, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 14, but their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, that that idea of one turning to the Lord is talking about the heart. The veil lies on the heart. And when the heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Simple theology. We're called to make and to help pe- lead people to becoming the message. They become the message by seeing God, Jesus, the face of Jesus, and are transformed through that act into becoming like him. This is, the, this is what you and I are involved in doing. And that simply happens... By beholding him. And when the, uh, the, when the heart turns to the Lord. So it's like my wife. And, and, and now, now maybe I'm going to pick on Ty now. Uh-oh, now I'm really in trouble. But, but I'm going to say when my wife uh, has a need as a wife and communicates something of that need. In other words, something that's not happening that I'm not yet fulfilling. I can just kind of sideline that and, oh, it's just she's complaining or, you know, whatever. But when my heart turns to my wife to actually get what she's asking, maybe even to look past uh, my, my, on the surface, my immediate th- thought that, you know, it's irrelevant or what she wants of me, such as washing the dishes, perhaps, or uh, whatever the case for her may be, or whatever it is, Yeah. Especially washing the dishes, though. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, uh, I, I feel that the, the we're kind of, okay. So there's no more picking on people on the front row. But anyways, <laughs> so when, when she communicates this, if I will turn my heart, if you know what I'm saying, in other words, listen to what she's saying out of my heart and get her heart, and the validation of what she's trying to say, I can get it, and that can then fuel my ability to be what she needs me to be as a husband. 
It's a very similar thing in our relationship with the Lord. It's simply turning our heart to hear him. And I would want to suggest two ways in which this is certainly done. Uh, I'm sure there's many ways, but the, de- definitely these two would be worry. Anybody ever worry? In the, in the times that you worry, simply worry comes, anxiety comes from taking our eye off of Jesus and simply putting it onto the natural circumstances that we either see or, or maybe ideas that we feel maybe that are or aren't actually real. Worry if you will turn your heart to the Lord. You can see him in that circumstance and he can actually speak to you where you can walk through that thing of worry and uh, actually not be overcome but overcome in it. Secondarily would be just walking out life. There's so many Christians who live just like the rest of the world, never see something of divine inheritance simply because they're not expecting God to speak to them. Therefore, they never do hear him speak to them. Therefore, they are never led by faith in his word. So just like living in that space, it doesn't take some supernatural spiritual juggernaut to hear God. It's just knowing he's my father, he wants to speak to me, and being willing. If we would just do those two things, turning our heart to hear what he's saying and just being willing to do it, we can see him. We can see something of what he's saying and thus be transformed into that and reflect something of the testimony of who he is through our lives to the earth. Is that good? I've got two more minutes. Is that right? Let me just encourage us around, around, around this. I want to say, how can we as church leaders encourage an atmosphere where people's hearts are regularly turning to the Lord? Because here's the thing. I, I've, I've learned something over the past year or so of the heart of God that, um, that actually we, we can easily get into this thing where we feel like God is holy and therefore we owe it to him to obey and to hear him and to do the right thing. And I'm not saying that there's not a reality to that. But I am saying this. God doesn't want, he, at every level, he wants to be the initiator and to take responsibility. And in fact, Jesus coming to the cross in the first place is testimony to the fact that he wants to do it all and we simply respond in obedience when we see what his heart for us, the love that he first initiated for us. And I think that we need to saturate our church and whatever it is that you may be leading, maybe you're leading a home group, maybe you're leading children's ministry, maybe you're serving, whatever, we need to saturate the environment in which God has given us with Jesus and the gospel. And these three things of Jesus and the gospel, he is Savior, he is Lord, and he is Ascended. Those three things. Jesus, through the gospel, we see him as Savior. He died on the cross for us. He initiated. He already paid the penalty. He's already completed the work. It is finished. But he's also Lord. And to keep that revelation of Jesus as Lord in the atmosphere, this is what causes the human heart to turn to him and to see him, so that in seeing him they would become him, so that we fulfill our call as the church, but also as ascended king, seated at the right hand of God, having been given all power and all authority in heaven and in earth. The church needs to know who they're following. In Acts chapter 2.32, Acts chapter 2, verse 32, the first presentation of the gospel ever. And in one sense, you can even say that the church was essentially birthed in this moment. 
I know it's birth on the day of Pentecost. Peter gets up, preaches the first presentation of the gospel. Would you agree with me that if this is the first gospel presentation of Jesus into the earth, what Peter says about Jesus in that moment would be of high value to the rest of the church? Would you agree with me? And if you look at Acts chapter uh, 2, verse 32, I'll read it now. God raised this Jesus to life. He is resurrected, right? And we are all witnesses of it. Verse 33, exalted to the right hand of God. He is ascended. He has received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified. He is Savior. He died on the cross. He's crucified, resurrected, and ascended. That is the Jesus that we worship. Crucified, both Lord and Christ. So the revelation of Jesus as Lord and Savior, as Savior, I'm going to just kind of get through this quickly. As Savior, Christ crucified, paid the penalty for our sins on our behalf. We need to know, and the churches that we lead need to know, the penalty has been paid. For us to be able to have the heart that turns to him. It is important that people don't just know that he is Lord, as obviously important as it is, but that he is Savior. Why? Because when I see what he's done for me, I am that much more ready and able to submit my heart to him because I know his intentions for me are sacrificially benevolent towards me. And the church needs to be saturated with that. I had the privilege of being raised by a father who unconditionally loved me, and I don't have dad issues. There are people who do have dad issues, and they don't relate to authority easily. They need to know what he did over and over. Saturate the the atmosphere in which we lead with the revelation of Jesus as crucified, and he certainly isn't still in that space, though. We know that, right? He is resurrected. He is not dead. That's important for people to know. And he's ascended. And so what, what is the relevance of knowing that he's crucified? His love is not conditional upon performance. We need to be thoroughly convinced of that. He is for us. How many of you believe that? He is for us. His blood alone has atoned for our sins. I'm just kind of reiterating a lot of what Ron said earlier. Is we can't work out... <laughs> well, that, that would be... <laughs> we... <laughs> I'm because now I'm saying scripture. Okay, we cannot we cannot earn our forgiveness or our salvation. We are accepted. We are loved. Understanding this enables us to receive Him as Lord. Knowing Him as Lord, Jesus was resurrected and He ascended, and is now seated at Christ's own right hand, having been given all power and all authority. A church that will walk triumphantly in our call of church planting must understand who he is, to base our faith. As I leave Santon and plant into Detroit, I need to know who is backing this, not just NCMI. I need to know that there's someone with authority who is backing this thing, and you and I both, we need to see him as who he is. 
Ephesians 1.17 says this, Keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glory So Ty, Ty apparently asked the AV guys to have a weird way of, of getting me to end this thing. <laughs> it's not weird, it works. No, we're gonna, we are going to land it. Jesus is supreme in authority. And um, I just want to reiterate this. We proclaim Christ crucified, resurrected, and ascended. Saturate our, our church environment with that revelation over and over and over. It is so easy to get into preaching different things and topics that's good and necessary, but let's re- always keep Jesus crucified, resurrected, ascended at every level, in our prayer meetings, in our everything, keeping that picture. I'm telling you, people begin to change. And we can try to make them change. I'm telling you, saturating our environment with that revelation, keeping people pointed to the revelation of who he is, those three things People begin to change because their hearts change. Why? Because it causes the heart of a human to be wooed by this amazing Jesus, and they turn to him, not us and our awesome leadership, him, and want to follow him and become actual disciples. They turn their hearts to the real Jesus, they see him, and they're transformed into him. Can we maybe just pray? And I especially would just like to ask you, if you feel as though you uh, are stirred uh, with something of uh, ascending God kind of beginning to play at your heart and beginning to, to stir you with something of an awareness that, he, that he's moving you uh, and that he's unsettling you from kind of a stagnant place and uh, being a part of this commission, I just want to ask you to respond to the Lord right now. I'm not going to ask you to come forward but just turn your heart right now. You may, you may want to lift your hands up to him or do something in an in a, a acknowledgement, not before man, but acknowledgement before him that you are responding to him in, right now. And as I say this, please let's not minimize this like we're just kind of finishing off in prayer and we go eat lunch and kind of go on to the next thing. Right now, even just for a few seconds, respond to him because in your res- heart response, literally destiny can be made right now. So Father, I want to pray every person right now who is responding, not to a message, not to coercion, responding to you by your spirit. Lord, we want to pray that you would blow uh, the wind of your spirit into the heart response and that there would be clarity about what you're saying and what you're doing. And Father, that there would not just be faith arising in hearts, but Father, that that faith would translate into works, actual actions, stepping out in faith, in obedience to you, uh, and that there would be something of an authorization from heaven uh, to to partner with you in heaven's great work in the earth. Lord, we want to pray that there would be many churches planted in many cities in this great nation of ours, but not only that, even abroad, Father, stir something of a generosity in, our, in the church, we pray. Something of a leap of faith.
Father, we pray that there would be a breaking down of all the matrixes in our heads of trying to figure out and having to have it figured out that you would reign supreme as Lord of your people and you could speak and your people would do. Father, we pray for that. Let, let the nation see the glory of God as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Sorry about going over time. Awesome. Awesome.